Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of It Starts With Action. Today I have Natalia Zorowski with me to talk about her experience of modelling and how the experience helped her in becoming who she is today, head of marketing for Cinecon and she's going to achieve so much more and yeah, let's just hear her story because honestly it was so interesting and fascinating. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of It Starts With Action and today I'm very grateful to have Natalia with me. Um, so, I, I, okay, names again, <laughs> so bad. Natalia. You are fine, take your time, I'm here to support you. Natalia Zorowski, is that right? Very good. Right. Yep, solid. <laughs> um, and I'm really inspired by Natalia because you're young and you have done so many, I feel like you've done so many different things from modeling to marketing yeah no happy to jump in well presence thank you so much for having me on it's, it's great to chat with you again since uh victor's wonderful class that he ran for us which was fantastic yeah. but yeah just a bit of an intro on me so my name is natalia everyone and i oversee marketing for the uk and apac for a consultancy firm called cinecron so we specialize in enterprise scale digital transformation for our clients solely within financial services so just as an example, that's banks, asset managers, and insurance companies. So my job is to oversee the marketing strategy for our UK and our Asia uh, regions. But if I were to rewind my career for looking back, say, three and a half, four years ago, it was very, very different as to where, where I am now and what I've done or, I guess, accomplished, for lack of better terms. I graduated from university, from Western University in Canada and Nanyang Tech in Singapore. So my degree is actually in MIT and in psychology. And when I graduated, what I had done was I didn't jump first thing into the workplace. I was actually in a very different industry than financial services. I was actually in the entertainment industry, more fashion. I was a model and an actress. So since I was 18 years old, I was traveling around the world by myself. So this is pre-iPhone, everyone. This is where you had a Nokia and the most you could do on it was, was play Snake, just to put it into perspective. But yeah, I was traveling the world since I was 18 years old. One of my first gigs was actually in Osaka, Japan. Wow. And it was very different. I, what happens when you, when you travel as a model and you'd be going to different markets, it's you're by yourself. Um, you arrive at the airport, you have to figure everything out. Everything was in Japanese, Japanese letters. You have to figure out how do I get to my apartment? How do I meet my agency? So you really have to learn how to navigate those situations from, I mean, pretty much whenever you start, but you also have to learn how to be adaptable. So I'll touch a bit more on adaptability later. Mm. But one of the things that it was with when you were you know, when, when I was modeling and going to places like Japan, for example, at such a young age, it really teaches you a lot because you are put in such a situation that you never really would have necessarily expected. And I think that was one of the things that really helped sort of shape who, who I am today in my career and sort of how I've done things. So as I was saying before, when I was over in Japan. I would then be also in China. I was in Singapore. I was in Miami. I was in California. And I was doing that probably until I was about 27, 27 years old. And then one day this opportunity sort of came up from, it was a friend of a friend 
to start as a marketing assistant for a startup fintech company. Now, actually, at the same time, what I was doing is was running a side hustle. It was actually called the business model. So it's what a girlfriend and I created. And it was essentially an online resource for models, which now you can sort of laugh at because you think that's something so many people would already do. It's on Instagram. But this is before all of that. This is before Instagram. This is before, I mean, kind of YouTube. There were some videos, fine. But it's really, there was nothing of it like it's kind so what we did was her and I so I was with an agency called Lang which was actually started by um the well the founders of Ford Ford Canada so Ford Models one of the largest modeling agencies in the world and my girlfriend who was also from from Ford Models at the time and we started this uh website together a platform really called the business model and we actually paired up with some of the largest agencies so Wilhelmina was backing and supporting the work we do, IMG was, and we were also working really closely with the Model Alliance out of New York, so which is actually founded by Sarah Ziff. She's a fantastic woman. She's done an incredible job really promoting and advocating for models' rights. So I guess kind of my foray into DNI was was really back through through modeling days, which I could really talk quite a bit about. But it was doing that in that side hustle. So we created this online resource called the business model. You can it's still online. I've, I've preserved it, even though it hasn't been updated for years. Good memories. And it's called business, pardon? Good memories to keep it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's good to have. I like to look back to sort of see what I've done, but it's called businessmodelmag.com. And it was really, as I was modeling, I wanted to still do something at the same time, really to, I guess, use my marketing skill sets, but really just to give back to the industry that really I fell in love with and do not get me wrong there's a lot of issues within the modeling industry a lot I think people know and and can only guess but at the same time it is a great industry and I had so many people asking me for for advice that I almost became the sort of consultant which is ironic that I'm in consulting (laughs) now albeit for financial services but I had so many people asking me Natalia what about this agency or what about this market because when you travel as a model there's different markets i mean the type of mall that they're looking for in germany or say tokyo south africa might be very different whereas milan and paris is very fashion focused but miami is very commercial as examples so it was creating this sort of guide online that models could have and referred to that actually became quite big and ironically when my friend sort of reached out to me saying that someone that that she knew over here in london was looking for a marketing assistant. He had actually found my profile, everything I was doing, and arranged an interview. Long story short, mm-hmm. I decided to take the plunge. So it's sort of when you, you know, you, the name of your podcast is, is about taking action. Yeah. And I would say that was probably one of the hardest things I had done initially, and it's still the best decision I've ever made, to be honest with you. It was tough, to be honest. I mean, I guess really going, answering the question, why? Like, why did I choose to just forget that career? Why did I stop the mauling and the acting bit? I mean, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. But at the same time, it was sort of at that moment in my career going, it felt sort of like, I believe in fate. I believe that it's sort of preparation and, and opportunity, you know, really can come, come together. And it was that, this type of opportunity to start something within financial services at a startup that felt like it was a a really safe place to sort of develop and grow. 
I thought, why not take the plunge? I mean, realistically, I probably had a few more years left in me for modeling, if that, like I said, I was 27 at the time. So in model years, you're, you're already quite old, to be honest with you. And it was really just thinking, you know what, let's, let's take the plunge and, and try something new. Let's try something different and jumped into it it was again it was a startup it was before we even completed our first series a funding round there was about 12 people in the office and i'll i'll be honest that i hated it like absolutely i didn't like it when i started interesting no i didn't it was it was really it was so different from coming from a very different world of going to from say you know fashion modeling to financial services and anyone who has worked in a startup or does work in one knows how much hustle you really have to have because it's so much work and when you're working for a startup it's not that you just do one thing and you do one role and you know you're you're defined by that role you really have to learn how to be flexible how to be adaptable and how to jump into different things and really just be able to take ownership and, and drive something and I think that was one of the things that really helped me with with my career and really starting within you know financial services was my adaptability Mm. so I'll touch upon that a little bit more in in a bit but it was yeah it was working for for this you know startup company really was just not enjoying it so much it was really a combination of things it was really just not feeling that despite being taken on as a marketing assistant really not feeling that I necessarily had a role However, probably after about, I'd say, five months, so I hated it and didn't really give it a chance because it was, you know, five months. But about five months in, I had the the managing director and the director of client services really took a chance with me and, and gave me a slightly different role, which was called um, broker trainer. So I was training brokers on a system that we have. It was a SaaS platform. And I ended up being really good at it. And you know what happens when you're really good at something and it's okay to be confident when you're good about things, but when you're really good about it, you get excited and it builds you up and it motivates you. And I ended up going to meetings with brokers and I was, you know, joining the head of sales, joining the managing director. And it was such a great place to sort of learn because they were throwing me into the deep end and just letting me meet clients, really taking a chance on me, to be honest, but letting me take a chance on myself. And I would say it was in that moment, probably about the sixth, seventh month mark, that I really started to enjoy what it was that I was doing. But I would have to say that it wasn't easy. And I mean, there were three sort of main things as to why it wasn't easy to start. One of which was the lack of knowledge. So the industry that it was was called Premfina. So we financed insurance premiums for, for brokers. And I knew nothing about the industry. I knew nothing about print, you know, premium finance. I knew nothing about insurance. I knew nothing about the industry whatsoever, really. So what I really had to do was buckle down and study. And that was spending, you know, my evening sometimes till two in the morning having to study simply because in my mind, I'm 27 years old. I need to learn about this industry and I need to put in the time and the hustle because part of you feels that like you're almost behind if it makes sense however I've always been ambitious I know I want to get ahead so I would spend those hours and put the hours in I believe work smart not hard however at the same time there are moments in life where you have to work hard and you do have to put in the time and you have to just own it and go for it 
So what I did was really studied up, research, found out who are the key players in the market, who are the top 100 brokers, top 10, top insurers, really just sort of learning the, learning the entire landscape of, of the industry. But the second hardest thing that, that pretty much, you know, that I had to do was reinventing myself. Mm. So when you're going from being a fashion model and, and pretty much defined by that, by, by others, never personally, I never defined myself as that. It was simply what I did. I never let my job define me, mm. but it was really having to reinvent myself and do something completely new and be in finance and work within, within insurance and, you know, train brokers on a system. And then afterwards I ended up going sort of back into marketing, but really having to, to take on those roles. And then what had happened was the former head of marketing had left. So I was by default or de facto head of marketing. So it was again, being catapulted constantly just it was sort of I feel like my career has been a series of catapults of being catapulted into positions that have really required myself to take ownership but above all else be adaptable and I think that's the biggest advice that I could ever give to to anyone starting uh, with pretty much within any industry is learn to be adaptable and that was something that again as I was touching on earlier that I really learned in the modeling industry because you were thrown into situations that could be so incredibly uncomfortable for any regular person. I mean, again, 18 years old, you're thrown into, you know, the middle of downtown Osaka Mm -hmm. and you have to go to a job and meet a client to navigate your way around. How on earth are you going to do that? And again, this is all before the smartphone. So before people start thinking, oh, it's easy, it's fine. No, it wasn't. Your agency gave you a little brown book where you had your map and you had everything in there as to how you get around. And that was what you had to do. But it was really that that adaptability from, you know, my time I was working in within fashion that really helped me to be successful. So one, and I really believe adaptability is what will define people in their and you know success. It's your aptitude and your attitude and your willingness to succeed that will get you far. And adaptability. There's a show that I was watching recently. Uh, it's called Ozark. <laughs> Fantastic, by the way, little plug for it. <laughs> but one of the quotes, which may seem a bit harsh, was actually called adapt or die. Mm. And I love that sentence. And I know it's a bit harsh, but it really is adapt or die, especially, I mean, even now, given what's happening, what's going on in the industry, you have to find ways to adapt yourself, find other things to learn and really Take the time to sort of reinvent yourself, reinvest in yourself, study, learn something new is really what I had to do with myself, I felt, in in order to be successful. But I think one of the things that really helped me, you know, to continue and keep going was confidence. When you work in fashion, and especially as a model, you have to be confident. That's true. There's no room to not be confident. Just to give it, you know, a little bit of context and perspective, you might have a casting and it would be, I'll give an example, kind of paint the picture. I was in Shanghai. I think, again, I was 18. It was my first or my, my second trip. And you would have to go in front of a room, in front of the client. You had probably about 20 seconds to make your first impression. They take pictures of you and you have to do a series of poses in front of a room of 50 to 100 people. You're, by, you're there by yourself, front and center stage. Everyone is looking at pictures of you on the screen to see how you look and everyone's watching. 
your agency is watching. Oh, it was terrifying at the time. I think I was shaking like Bambi. But although I was shaking at the time, you get used to it pretty fast. And it really helps to, again, build up your confidence. So it's sort of like, I always laugh at this saying how it's, you know, what's the scariest thing you could do? And someone say, oh, you know, standing in front of a a room full of people in my underwear. (laughs) Well, no different when you're really modeling and that's what it was. You have to have that confidence. And I think it's that confidence that really helped fuel me to be, be successful. So really what would happen, say, back at, you know, the first company I worked for, where I would be meeting, for example, brokers and insurers that were director level, C-suite level. And I had maybe a year's worth of experience, if not less, but my confidence carried me. Because as long as you have confidence and you know that you deserve to be in that room, that you should be in that room, and you have that confidence, then you will absolutely be successful. I completely understand it's, it's easier said than done. But confidence will carry you throughout your career so that you don't doubt yourself. And again, that was really going back to what, what I learned from you know, my modeling days and what was really a, a soft skill, but a, a transferable skill. And one that I think is, is really hard to get. And we all have moments of self-doubt. You know, I have my moments still of you know, imposter syndrome. Of course you do, but that confidence still has to be there and it has to feel, feel you, you, feel you. Mm-hmm. And one of probably the final bits I would say just really looking back at sort of my my old life, as I call it, and one of the things that I really learned that helped me a lot and where I am now, and advice I'd give is relationship building. So, you know, tying it in with networking and relationships. Relationships are absolutely key. I mean, one of the things that really when I was in modeling, again, a lot of, you would never sort of know when your next job was. You would basically have, say, one day a series of seven or eight castings, and you would hope that you get one. And it might be that you don't get any, but there's also 500 people going up against you for the exact same job. And really, whenever I landed any sort of job, say for just for an easy example, not that I ever worked for them, but say ASOS, you get a job for ASOS, you do a catalog for them once your bread and butter and the way you are going to survive to try to have a stable income will be to build those relationships to really make that lasting impression so they continue to book you so they continue to work with you so you really build that relationship almost like a friendship really Mm. and they stick by you and you stick by them and that's what I've really brought forward in my career as well so you know back even now for example we're working with some of the, the largest banks worldwide you can imagine for NDA reasons, I can't say exactly who we're working with. You can find some online. But the reason I've been successful with with working with those those banks that we do is the relationship side of things. It really has been, I check in on my clients, I ask how they're doing, I take them for coffees, obviously not, not now, now we do our virtual coffees, of course. But relationship building is so fundamental. When it comes to when it comes to success and, and really making a name for yourself, so just to sort of sum all that all that back up, I mean, what helped me succeed and, and the advice I give to people is really learn how to be adaptable, to find find your inner find you know your find your inner voice, your confidence, and three really focus on on relationships. Those are the three sort of big things for me. I, I would say. That is your story is so inspiring, and I didn't really think of 
the modeling industry like that until you explained it to me so it's there's so much in it that teaches you so many lessons oh it absolutely does I mean I think that's what you know a lot of people don't don't see but you're not really afforded the opportunity to see it either right I mean uh, as a consumer for example you see the end product I mean you'll see you know an issue of Vogue or you'll go online and you'll see the the girl on ASOS, for example, but you don't know her story and you don't know what it was like for her to, to say get there. But I can absolutely promise you that whoever you feel is the most, you know, physically beautiful model say in the world suffers from her own insecurities and everyone has their own insecurities, as I said. But we have to have that confidence to continue, especially for models. They have to have that confidence to really think that, yes, I will get this job, I'm worth it, I can do it, because again, your livelihood depends on it, because you really don't know when your next job is, so it's sort of, that's also infiltrated itself into, you know, how I, how I conduct myself, and how I approach my own work, it's, ironically, millennials, unfortunately, I'm using the M word here, are, you know, often classified as having, you know, special snowflake syndrome, and I think the modeling industry doesn't really afford you that necessarily. It doesn't let you think that, you know, you're necessarily that special because you know you can be easily replaced. You know someone can come in and take your role. Hence, I sort of have this hustle and drive and, you know, I don't necessarily know if that's, that's always healthy. But that's sort of what has fueled me and really kept myself going. So it's sort of that it's, I've really accelerated my career in a, in a short time. But it's just been that that inner drive and confidence and desire to succeed again, to, to keep going. What advice would you give to someone who's like really unconfident and doesn't believe that they can ever be confident? How can they develop that confidence? Because I, I agree that if you don't have confidence in yourself, then there's so many things that you want to do, but you won't do it just because of that lack of confidence so do you have any tips for people who are listening I mean what I would really ask someone who tells me that they're not confident is what are you afraid of what is it that you're actually scared of and what is it what is it that's holding you back is it someone saying the word no because for me going back to being a model you hear I hear no probably 1,000 times if not more no you're not good for this job no we don't want you no that hearing no means nothing to me anymore. It's just no, that's all it is. It's a word. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be scared of. The advice I would give is to get out of your comfort zone. And for example, of course we can't do it now, but say networking, if you're, if you're going to an event, say an in-person one, if and when you know we do actually come out of lock, lockdown properly and can do that, then really just going up to someone and saying hi. That's it, it's that simple. Hi, how are you, what's your name? And then adding them to LinkedIn afterwards. But it's as simple as just saying hi to someone and making that first move. I know it's difficult and I was one of the most painfully shy people you could have ever met. I mean, it was, I, I wouldn't talk, I wouldn't do any public speaking and now I don't stop talking. So it, it really, I mean, I still get nervous as, as many people do. But I think the advice I would really give is there's just nothing to be afraid of because the worst thing you'll hear is no. And there's nothing wrong with that. And every time you hear no, it's going to help you build your character. It's going to help you grow. And it's going to help you move on and persevere. So to be honest, 
no is not a bad thing to hear. I just think there's nothing to be afraid of. And at one point you have to take that step and it's up to you to take that step. And if you don't take that step and if you don't reach the level of success, then it is unfortunately your fault because you have to own it. You have to own your success. You have to go for it. No one will give you everything on a silver platter. I do believe you have to work for it. I mean, it's my parents are some biggest sources of my inspiration. So I'm from a Polish background. I was born in Germany and emigrated to Canada when I was about a year old, probably even less to be honest with you. And my parents are exceptional. I mean, it's, they came from Poland, you know, then Germany. This is just before, you know, the, the fall of communism and had absolutely nothing. I mean, they had the clothes on their back and nothing else, that was it. They didn't have any you know, savings. There was nothing really, really to have. My father jumped into work. So my father is, is still is a truck driver. And my mom was a housewife up until she was about 35 years old. I don't wanna give her age away if she does mm -hmm. listen to this. She's not gonna be too pleased. But. <laughs> Well, she didn't start her career until her late 30s. And there were so many people saying to her, why should I, why should I start? Why, why are you starting your career now? Why are you starting so late? Or, or really the worst thing she heard was, what's the point? And she's mm. going, what do you mean, what's the point? I want to reinvent myself. I'm not a stay-at-home mom anymore. My kids are grown up. I want to move on and do something else. My mom is now working at RBC as a financial planner over in Canada, she's done a fantastic job for herself. But again, it's sort of even, you know, thinking of myself, I watch my mom being able to reinvent herself and to go against adversity, to go against all those who told her that no, you shouldn't do it or what's the point to going for it. And that's one of the you know best things I really ever learned from my parents was to take risks, to really take risks and to not be afraid of taking those risks. Because again, the worst thing that can happen is someone will say no, but without taking those risks and without going for it and without trying, you'll, you'll never succeed because you have to be able to go for it and push yourself and put, break away from, from your comfort zone. But I would have to say that really my ability to take risks, I think was sort of ingrained in me from the time I was an infant since we came to Canada, right? So. I can relate because, um... Similar kind of, I come from a single parent background and it's just my mom's been just like, we moved mm -hmm. from, we moved from the UK to Hong Kong for seven years. So we lived mm -hmm. there and then like she gave up everything to go there and then we came back to the UK and again, she had to give up everything that she had. Seeing her just work so hard for me and the family just, it's really inspiring to like make sure I have to succeed in order to give her the best life <laughs> in a way. Um, I guess, how do you overcome like self-doubt? Yeah, no, I mean, I completely understand where, where you're coming from. But at the same time, I think it's you going in with that perception of say the leader, I mean, one, they might not have the time indeed because yeah. they might be leading, you know, massive fortune 500 companies. Mm -hmm. However, at the same time, if I were you, I would still, I would still go for it. I would still, you know, shoot them a message, say on LinkedIn, for example, or if you find their email, or I mean, emails can be a bit bit tougher. But on LinkedIn, there's no reason. And oftentimes, you will find that senior leaders are looking to help and to give back, you know, either to their communities or either to the next generation. But I think there's nothing, 
nothing that should really be stopping you to at least writing people and seeing it. If I were to ask you what you're afraid of, it goes back to what I said earlier. You're afraid of the no, that they'll yeah. tell you no or they won't reply. That's but that's true. the worst thing that could happen because eventually there will be someone that says yes. And it will be absolutely worth it. It's kind of like, so I do a bit of sales and it's this, this you know, I'm stealing this from a guy named Lee Warren. He's, he's fantastic in the industry. And sometimes you have to kiss a million frogs in order to get the one, in order to get your prince, really. And it was sort of the exact same thing with sales. It was sometimes it's you have to really, you know, go through one lead and another, another, and it doesn't work. Then finally, you know, you get your sale, you get your deal, and same for you. You're going to have to go through writing thousands, maybe, of messages until finally you get that one, but that one would be worth it, mm. right? So, for example... If there was someone that I could ever speak to from you, it would be Indra Nui, who is the you know former CEO of Pepsi. Absolutely fantastic woman. I would love to speak with her. But again, I mean, what's the worst thing she'll say? She'll say no or she won't reply. And that's perfectly okay. But I see there's no reason that you shouldn't go for it. Yeah, I think it's about yeah not giving up when you face lots of rejections. I think it's, it's, a, it's a good... I don't know, skill habit to develop I guess just learning that just learning to face more rejections maybe the way I would phrase it as is learning how to become resilient yeah that's right in the face of adversity so really just learning how do you become resilient and becoming resilient really is just learning to take those no's and then how to take you know say even any feedback that you might get and move forward and continue on doing what you were doing but it's I think that again is one of the things that was a a soft skill but a transferable skill that has helped me to to really do what I have today but is the you know the advice I give to you the advice I give to anyone is really learn to be resilient and to keep going for it because again the worst thing you're going to hear is is no and it's funny because I'm saying all this and then I'm listening to you go through you know what it is that you're going through and you know these leaps seemingly large leaps you think that you know you're taking or wanting to do that seems so far of reach out of reach are only out of reach because you're saying that you can't do it or that you're going to hear no but there's no reason and again as you continue to do this as you continue to do your podcast as you continue to refine how you're doing them and how, you know, you'll notice you get better with each and every single one. So it might be, for example, that now is not the time that you reach out to people. Now is the time for you to practice. Now is the time for you to develop, which is kind of, again, thinking of, you know, something a, a friend of mine gave me the piece of advice. So he's the former CEO of Goldman Sachs, South Africa, Sub Saharan Africa. And the advice he gave me was to always remember that my career is a marathon, not a sprint. And I've been sprinting yeah. until this day, but soon I'm going to have to transition it to a marathon because you do get tired. And I'd give you the same advice with what you're doing with your podcast, which is to treat this as a marathon. Because if you're treating this as a three-month stint, then what you're not really going to get what you want out of it or achieve you know, your larger goals. Mm. It's going to have to have... Oh, can you make this stable? How can you make this consistent? How can you scale this out? What yeah. is achievable, especially when you go back to school? Yeah. So really starting to think of these things and really treating, you know, your your podcast like a business mm-hmm. at the same time. So with the work I do at ICANN, the Insurance Cultural Awareness Network, 
you know, AJ, who's, you know, our co-chair and really the founder of, one of the co-founders of ICANN, you know, the things he always says is to, to treat our network like a business. And that's really how we've been able to scale and grow. And that's the advice I give you, even though it's a side hustle and you're not getting necessarily compensated for it. If you want it to be successful, if you want it to grow and you want it to scale, you have to treat it like a business and really set those goals for yourself, right? Where do I want to be after, you know, 90 days? Where do I want to be after six months, one year? And then maybe at the end of that six months, say like, I really want to interview this person at this company or in one year or two years, I want to interview Gary V as an example, someone who you look up to you know, you're smiling so I can tell that <laughs> yeah. it's something you love and enjoy, yeah. but make that real and really sort of start go creating that plan for yourself and sticking in those yardsticks to show the success and things you've done in order to get there. And two years seems like a long way away, but that goes back to what I said that, you know, your career, your side hustles, whatever you choose to do is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You're going to have to invest the time in treat it like a business business plan and just really, really commit and go for it and you will get the results, but you have to commit. So how about you then? What do you think you need to, what, what are you working on in terms of, you have the confidence, you have the resilience, you have the drive. What What's next for you in terms of personal development? What do you think um, you can do to like get to the next best version of yourself? Um, I mean, there's, there's always, there's always a lot, there's plenty, right? There's always a lot that we can all do to, <clears throat> pardon me, to really develop ourselves. And I guess one of the things for me is I, I always believe in, in continued learning and professional development. So one of the things I've done recently is I got into, or I got rather my Chartered Institute of Marketing qualification, which I'm really excited about. So again, that, you know, thank you. So I'm going to continuing you know my my professional development my learning you know with with marketing and hopefully ideally you know one day becoming a fellow which which is a goal so I mean it's, it's never stopped learning and we're never done learning the moment we think we know everything we're what either living completely in the wrong or you know then it's it's time to switch jobs is <laughs> sort of yeah. how I see it as but the other things I mean that I'm you know teaching myself and especially as I'm going through my career so is really learning again to to take a break. So kind of going back to that career is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. So it's, you know, I started when there as a marketing assistant, you know, three and a half years ago at a, you know, 14 odd person firm to by the time I left, we had 65 people and I was wow. the head of marketing with a small team to now being at Synecron where we're 8,000 people globally. Wow. And I oversee marketing for two regions, UK and Asia. And now three and a half years in, I oversee both of them. So it's to go from being part of a 14 person team to a team of 8,000 and leading two of our largest regions worldwide is a lot to do in three and a half years and to compact it. So for me, it's kind of going, I've done this, I'm proud of it. And now just sort of riding that wave, right? Because realistically, I'm going to work for at least another 20 years. You're going to need, you know, the, the energy to keep that going, right? But yeah, no, I think that's one of the biggest lessons for myself really is learning to to take a break and to sort of enjoy the, the I guess, fruits of my labor for, for lack of better terms and to, to enjoy that and to take each day slowly and, and to really learn to say no. Mm. But I do think that's that's a lot easier said than done. And, you know, people tell you just 
say no. It, it isn't always that easy. I know it. I still have trouble saying no. I can I'm so happy you didn't say no to this one. <laughs> no, of course I'm not. I can never say no to your presence. Oh. But it's, you know, you can never, yeah, it's like you just, you have to learn to say no. But again, that comes with time. That comes with confidence. That comes with experience that you then you know, are able to say no. And it's, you do have to stand up for yourself. That's you know, another bit I'll add in there, but definitely learn, learn to say no. And that's, you know, I'm still learning that. And I think I, I always will be, but that's something I, I'm doing. So just to, to sum it up, you know, did my qualification recently, career's a marathon, not a sprint, really, you know, learn to take a break, to enjoy the fruits of your labor, learn to say no, and yeah, that's pretty much it, I would say. And then, I mean, career-wise, goals-wise, I do intend to be a director in the next five years. My goal is C-suite. I'm incredibly ambitious. I love professional services and consulting. It's an incredibly dynamic, fun place to be. It's a lot of hard work, but you get to work with so many different clients. And I personally, I absolutely love it. So I do see myself staying in here for a long time, but definitely financial services as well. I mean, the industry is changing so much with digital transformation and now with COVID, it's, it's an unbelievable time. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited. I still have the energy, but just taking it one step at a time now instead of a hundred. So how does it feel to have so much responsibility? It, it is a lot. And I was given the opportunity to have a lot of responsibility, even when I was at the first company I worked for. And it is difficult, but one of the things, and this is, um, it's a quote I actually got from Dominic Mignon. He's the chief financial officer at Aon, one of the largest brokers here in the UK and really globally. But what he said was say yes to opportunities. And I've said yes to those opportunities and really figured out how to do it later. So it might be that I had no idea how to do that. I had no idea how to be a broker trainer. I had no idea how to be a head of marketing, but I went for it and I learned. And when it comes to the responsibility of doing that, so say, for example, now at Synchron, having the responsibility of overseeing the, the marketing for two regions, initially, it's it's daunting to go, wow, I have to create two marketing strategies for two fairly different, you know, regions and really tailored to those markets. But at the same time, I don't, you should sort of, the way I try to, you know, see and the way I encourage people to see it as, as an opportunity and sort of frame it as an opportunity. You have an opportunity to make such an impact and a difference with that responsibility and that responsibility you've been given, one, you've probably, you know, you've also earned it but you've been given this incredible, you know, opportunity to do something and to be responsible and your firm has entrusted you with that responsibility. So you should really, you know, really go for it, really deliver. I mean, it's, it's a lot to handle and there are days where it's difficult, but at the same time to be able to have that type of responsibility, especially now at my age and what I'm doing, I absolutely love it and I wouldn't change it and it can be stressful but it's still you learn you learn to manage it you learn to manage your to-do list you learn time management time management is one of the you know biggest things I recommend to people and 
struggling. Yeah, I recommend it to myself. It's it's incredibly difficult. But the you know we often get stressed out thinking, oh my god, I have to do this, 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 that. It's more so because so many things have come in at once. People really need to learn how to you know, and myself included, to sit down and really you know, look at your responsibilities and your priorities. And again, going back to saying no, right? Because especially if you are responsible for a team or a large project and really know sort of once you prioritize everything, you know exactly what you should be responsible for and you can deliver it. And then you feel a lot less nervous as well about having what might feel like, oh my God, I have all this responsibility. Break it down into parts, put it into different buckets. It's, can I do this right away? Is it something I can do quickly? Will this require more resources and more energy? So I have to push it out one week. And once you're really able to manage, you know, prioritize and, and have time management, then those responsibilities become a lot more bearable and rather easier easier to manage, I would say. Thank you so much for sharing. At the end, I usually ask guests to like give us a challenge about like taking action. Probably one of the easiest thing to do, and I would say for listeners to do, is say someone that you really admire within financial services. They don't have to be someone that say, you know, c-suite as an example but someone whose career you really admire and if you haven't connected to them on linkedin as an example i encourage you to absolutely go for it write them a message and connect with them and arrange a call and that can be something that again is so scary but taking that step so say for example it's at a company you really want to work for you want to work for that top consultancy that top ad agency as an example find out who's working there and message them even if you're not looking for a job now, even if you're, you know, you might think I'm just a student, now is the perfect time to really forge those relationships. As I said, that, you know, one of the foundations of your success will really be relationship building and starting to make those relationships now, you know, whilst you're in school is one of the best things you can do to set up yourself for success. Well, everyone listen and take action on it. <laughs> I agree. I have someone in mind I need to, I haven't really asked haven't contacted but um, I will do that as well Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> thank you so much honestly thank you so much for coming if people want to connect with you can they yeah absolutely of course yeah, yeah. they could just find me on LinkedIn I'm, I'm sure you'll you'll put up my handle but it's yeah. just Natalia Zorowski and yeah absolutely always happy to to offer any advice or just have a chat I hope everyone enjoyed that episode and remember to, you know, don't be afraid about the word no, it's just a word. Build confidence because it's so important and something I'm also personally working on and be adaptable. So yeah, reach out to Natalia if you want to and until next time.